Rugby Coach Weekly Podcasts presents Coaching Laid Bare with Lisa Bird Burgess and LJ Lewis. Hello and welcome to Coaching Laid Bare. This week we're delighted to welcome Kate Burke, um, an analyst working with the RFU and LJ Hello, LJ. You're going to introduce hey, um, Kate. So here, over to you, LJ. Oh, how, how are you anyway, Bird? Are you good first? Yeah, all good here. Thanks um, on this. Um, the snow's all gone now, but yeah, I had, had a few tr- great days in the snow there sledging, yeah. trying to f- refund my youth. Yeah, it was great fun. <laughs> Did you build a snowman? Of course I built a snowman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're really excited to have uh, Kate or Berkey on the pod today. Um just a bit of history on Berkey. She graduated in 2007 from Cardiff Met with an MSc in sports analysis. From there, she went to work in the Welsh Prem uh, alongside Ospreys, the Blues Academies. And then in 2008, she started with the RFU, um, working alongside the under-18s and across some of the men's teams as well. And then in 2014, she moved to Bath Rugby and became head analysis there. Um, And then actually now is back with the RFU where she oversees uh, the analysis provision uh, for the pathway, women's uh, rugby, the referees and the sevens. Um, And she also has massive input into level three and level four coaching uh, around the analysis modules. So lots of really exciting uh, roles and lots of really exciting things that we want to chat with you about, Berkey. Um, So how are you doing? You good? I'm good. Thanks for having me to let me talk about really geek stuff <laughs> everyone will be bored after about five minutes but we're really we're really excited to have you on Berkey you've obviously got a massive wealth of experience and and, and you're also a great person so yeah myself <laughs> and Bird are, <laughs> we're really excited to chat with you um we'll get straight into the questions because there's a lot of detail that we want to get through with you and also you can give us a bit more on that that history that I've just run through so if we start with why did you uh, choose to study uh, sports analysis? So I did a psychology degree um, and just really liked the the number sort of element on it. So our, our degree is quite a, it's probably about pretty much a day a week just working on stats. Um, originally I wanted to be a forensic psychologist and then decided that that was a, a terrible plan because I'd probably just let all the prisoners out. I'd be like, they're fine. <laughs> you can go free. Um <laughs> Then decided to work in sport. Obviously, I had quite a big sport background and family background. Did a lot of sports when I was younger. Um, decided to work in sport. Did a sports science MSc um, at Brunel, and then did some work experience in rugby. And then just having a look at kind of the different jobs that they do. And then did a, another MSc because I never want to stop being a student at um, <laughs> Cardiff Met. And then primarily did work experience there in netball as a sport I played um and probably originally wanted to work in and then rugby which was kind of the only paid football uh, uh job during that time so it was just to kind of pick up a bit of extra cash originally and um I was going to ask you was rugby the sport you always wanted to move into but you've just said netball so what made you uh, what made you pick up rugby uh, obviously money will dictate some of that but <laughs> was there was there anything else about you know 
I've, you, you love rugby or what was it about? Yeah, it? so my brother played to, he's a premiership player. Um, so kind of always got dragged to, to pretty much rugby from about age four, being on the side of a pitch in, in Aberavon every Sunday morning. <laughs> And um, so it's kind of always been part of part of growing up, really, and being involved in like just always having to watch it every weekend and every Wednesday in school. Um, but yeah, like a proper family love for it, I guess. And um, just staying on you working within rugby and obviously not that I want to labour the fact that you're a female working in particularly you worked within the men's game at well, you worked across a lot of the game, but a lot in the men's. As have you had any challenges that you've had to overcome, like maybe because of being a female or just in general because of your role as the analysis trying to fit within the whole rugby, you know, the coaching, the SNC medical kind of setting? Not really, like pretty much everyone I've worked with has been awesome. I don't think I've ever felt like like not part of the team or or not part of the team for being a girl or that people don't sort of respect what you've got to say I've never I don't know it might have just gone over my head but I've never really like thought I, I don't like this or this isn't kind of what I thought uh, or what I'd like or how I'd like it to be um I think the challenges of working in it are the same with kind of being analysis analysis in any sport like you've got to become so into what the team's trying to do and what the coaches are trying to do but you've also got to remain really impartial and objective around what's actually happening and I think at the start of my career that was actually quite tough to to be to just kind of take a step back from it and actually being analytical about what you're doing yeah. as opposed to yeah this is all working we're all fine and this is what I'm delivering back on I think mm-hmm. that's the really hard bit to not just get swept away with everything that's that's going on and, it, and it's all good because you really believe in what what everyone's trying to do which you always do it as part of a team and trying to really remain that objective kind of person I think my huge work on and, and probably and, and still is is around having I guess challenging conversations with people around around certain bits and I think that's the hardest bit to, to and I don't think that's a gender thing I think that's a oh do you think this is working or is there a better way of doing it and I think that's the hardest bit I guess around our jobs is to kind of it's not delivering bad news but to make people try to think oh is is this what's right is this what's happening and are there different ways of doing it so like as a coach I suppose we and bird you probably feel the same about this we get very quite emotional about um maybe a particular game or a particular element of the game especially if you're in you know you're coaching it or in charge of it and even like certain players naturally you form bonds with players better with them with other players that you just happened whereas someone like yourself can be way more actually here's the black and white of ness of it I need you to like hear this from me because actually this isn't emotional this is just me showing you actually this is what really happens um just on those tough conversations um is there any way that you like try and have them or like is there a particular like format you might try and follow to have like a not not confrontational conversation, but like could become that. Yeah, I think there's loads of different ways. So go but um I guess I'm just a bit labradory in terms of I just want everyone to like me and just be like, and part of my job isn't that. So it's about it's about building that trust with people. Like you've got to people have got to trust you before you can go to them with yeah. anything. So like communication and being able to build relationships is so important to our job. Yeah. And and I think it's you've really got to um 
like work on those because no one's going to take your opinion on anything unless you've got the basics of actually having a decent relationship with people first in which they trust you so I think part of like my role and especially with analysts coming in that first thing you want them to do is to actually just go and build a rapport with a coach get to understand what they want what they're trying to achieve and how they're trying to do it and then you just work backwards from there I think I think the the communication and the trust element is just huge and we can't really do our job without it I think then the, the challenging conversations come with that I think you know you'll have challenging conversations with your mates and it, it doesn't even seem like that and I think it's just around trying to get that a little bit more into a to a work format where I guess there's a, a safe space where you can kind of throw anything around and and it's fine you leave the room and it and it's all good it's not a it's not an issue everyone's kind of listened to to each other's point and they might come back and have a go at it but they're not having a I guess it's trying to think that it's not personally to you it's just around mm. what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve and that actually everyone's working together to get to that point anyway when you um when you have those conversations do you try and always have um like information with you to help that like I know building trust is really important but ultimately you're trying to drive a change do you always try and have evidence to help that conversation as well or do you does it depend on the coach the, the environment is like it's always evidence-based like I'd never go and be like oh like have you seen that like that looks a bit rubbish like you've always got to have it goes back to that objective you've got always got to have like this is what the data is showing us it's not just yeah. my thoughts on the way the game will be played because it definitely looked very different to I just feel like let's just play everything but um yeah definitely all kind of backed up with with just data that they can actually look at because everyone it's really hard once you're in the middle of something to not get caught up in it and and just trying to see sort of the bigger picture and how that's interacting on everything else as well so, so just listening to that then, um, Brooke, you know, so much, God, so many questions I want to ask you, and I know <laughs> else feels the same, but when you, when you work with a coach, because obviously we're talking about rugby now, rugby the game, you know, rugby training, but you, you also work with referees, you know, in, a, in other aspects as well. But going back to the rugby, what specific, when you're forming that relationship initially with the coaching team, what kind of jurisdiction do you get in terms of what you're looking at and what they ask you to do? Um, just so our listeners can gauge what you know so you don't just sit there and record the session what, what do you actually feed back on what what do, what do coaches ask you to do so this <laughs> is just what my job is um so in terms of just going from the very start so it's definitely filming filming training fil- filming matches um and then the kind of the feedback essentially is around what what the team is trying to achieve so they, if we take a premiership club for example they'll have a number of analysts pretty much who will work with different coaches in that coaching team you'll be really aligned to to what that coach is trying to do how um, and what they want measured as their kind of kpis i guess um then you'll kind of bring it all sort of together um in order to give them a, just feedback around what's happening in their certain area i think that's probably the, the simplest way of splitting up if that makes, if that yeah. makes sense but that's what you're after yeah, so like set piece, attack, defense, how, how they perform yeah. based on <clears throat> based on averages. I know, you know, for our listeners that are listening, maybe don't have analysts, you know, maybe you've not even started to even think about it yet. You know, you see all the people at the internationals when there's about four or five people giving key stats, you know, the the, the lineup balls going to the middle, you know, they're playing eight, hitting up off, you know, whatever in the in this off the scrum, you know, so that detail can get passed to those um, key coaches so they can feed that information onto players. Um, it's just it's just fascinating to actually know how much work you do and, and also prepping for teams you're playing against. 
you know i know alge myself we're forwards set piece orientated mainly but we um <laughs> you know we love all the line out stats and everything of teams we're playing against where they go to um as well to try and outwit outbeat them you know it's it's and, and it's so important for the game now isn't it certainly at the top end of the game uh, you yeah, can't I mean the, you, go on yeah, yeah top end of the game is huge and then it's trying to work out i guess what analysis looks like lower lower down and not lower down but like what it looks like at all levels because it, it you know it can be incorporated into anyone's environment um but potentially you, you probably don't want the same level of of kind of knowing everything that's going to happen and then what you're doing in your team so I think the classic one is it's like everyone kind of counts tackles but it's like well, what are you counting tackles for it doesn't really what does it give you other than you've defended a lot in a match um yeah, yeah. so it's really important to match what you're trying to do with your analysis and it's not a so we really say on sort of level three and level four it's not a one-size-fits-all approach so what you do yeah. at one club will not fit another club and it yeah. and it won't fit a different league and it won't fit a different style it's got to be really in tune to what what you want as a coach and I think it's analysis we can come in with suggestions but it's ultimately got to be coach driven first with us helping and supporting you that's what we're there to do we're here to make your lives better to help players get better and mm. and anything we can do around that should hopefully help everything else yeah and I think um one of the things we've been looking at so for example with our analysis working at um you know speed defeat after the tackle or reload so you can get you know and that's been really fascinating interesting getting those stats on certain players that's taken a long time to get back onto their feet and get back into the defensive line you know I hate you... that one <laughs> like stop making yeah. me get up <laughs> But it's been really useful and it's also given some players that are highly motivated, which you which you want from your premiership players, you know, so that that's stat they quite like and you know that's a good one. It really helps us to know really what we're gonna work on. It's really individual to those players as well. So you can actually see improvements week on week on on that as opposed to stuff that's game specific that they might not actually have the chance to to do any of that stuff in a game. So it's almost like they haven't so potentially like turnovers, they, may, they just might not have had an opportunity to make a turnover. So if they don't do that, mm. then we're judging mm. their stats on a turnover as opposed to a reform and reload, which they'll, they'll have loads of opportunities to do in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that always is my big bugbear because obviously like, well, I like breakdown is what I manage, but the turnover stats I always struggle with. I'm always a bit like, yeah, I think the con the actual context of the that particular game you really need to understand. That's why, I, like, I always look at the stats, but I'll actually, I have to see the footage, yeah, you know, just to get a bit of yeah. context. Like you say, Berkey, maybe the ref just wasn't, like, I'll see my player lift the ball, but the ref doesn't give it. Doesn't mean it wasn't a turn, you know what I mean? So there's definitely mm. context. Mm. But it's really I, important for the, the players to do that as well, around giving the players a stat sheet without them watching the match back is, mm. is huge as well. Yeah. Uh, we have so many players now who don't particularly watch a lot of rugby. So yeah. how do we get them to be, yeah. and I think it will probably come up later on, but how do we get them to, to get more game understanding? And I think it's really around that, you know, we don't want to give them necessarily all of the clipped out match straight away because they, they'll just go and watch the lineups or they'll just watch sort of first phase attack or something, as opposed to just watching the whole game and getting an understanding and that context around the game and, how that would improve the next time they had those scenarios in front of them. 
that that is so important and even when you watch the individual play clips as well you know it's like get away from that watch the game see what the context is what happens next what happened before to get to that and I, yeah I can't agree with you more and and stats are only a tiny part of it and like you said there's so many things that influence those watching the whole game is so important and Elge I know we're we're, we're battling with each other to try and get these questions in but just going back to when you when you decided you were going to become an analyst you said you're you know you're on the side of the pitch when you were age four um how, how important is to have that really good game understanding you know to reach the levels you've reached and um and how you kind of develop that is it is it just from watching or what else have you done to acquire all the knowledge necessary I think you need to have an understanding of it I think my game knowledge probably wasn't as good because I've never played it so I think you always get that that kind of difficult bit but actually in some ways it's probably made it a little bit easy for me in the job because I've got no experience I've got no opinions on, on that element of it so actually as an analyst I can remain merely impartial because I don't have a particularly set way that I want to see the game or the game should be played I've got a little bit of a I'll I'll say that anyway which will, <laughs> will make it better but I think um I had some really really good coaches when I, I first came into the game and he really took time to to help my game development and game understanding and they, I just used to think that was what all coaches did. Um, but um, Mark Mapletoft, who uh, was the England 20s coach when I started, then went to Quinns and then came back to, he's back at the RFU now, um, literally used to sit down and do his game reviews with me and, and just verbalise what he was looking at and what he was going through. And I think at the time I just thought, oh, this is what all coaches do. And then you really realise that it's not. And it's like that he took a lot of time out to make sure that I was up to speed. I mean, it, it helped him in the long run because he knew what, he could tell me exactly what he wanted but actually to to do that and to pick up bits to really improve that John Fletcher was the same he was the under 18s coach when I started they just took a lot of time to to really develop their staff and a lot of it is to to get people all on the same page but actually they didn't really have to do that and they took a lot of time up to to make sure that 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 happened so did, yeah they were how did they um sorry Berkey another yeah off the cuff question how did, <laughs> how did they um but I, lo I love this this is brilliant that is amazing how did they help you like what what did it like like Fletch did he would he have sat down with you and looked at other games or like what that might that look like yeah I mean Fletch loves setting people tasks so he would literally like send out stuff and be like what do you think about this like always questioning so I think I think when you start out as well you're always a little bit unsure of answering questions but I think doing it in it and he used to do it so well in like a, a non there was never a wrong answer it was just like well what's yeah. your opinion I'm actually just interested because I think that's the important bit as well so like everyone views the game like slightly differently and yeah. in my first kind of few years as an analyst I think I worked with something like 20 20 plus different coaches I think it's really important to get I guess you're a bit like a leech like you just suck all of those you learn something off every coach and I think you then get all of that information in and it makes you so much better at your job because you're like, you're not set in one way of this is how the game should be played. This is how it's done. You've got all these people who were got completely different views, but they're all pretty high level coaches. I think that was the, the most interesting bit. You take stuff off, off everyone you work with. And then I think that makes you so much better around, around what you're doing and how you see the game and, and what you can do in terms of analysis. Cause you just like, right. Okay. It's not set in one way. There's not, it's not one way to play rugby. You've got all these different ways to play it. And yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And then like Tofty literally used to, we'd go through that the whole match post, post twenties matches. He'd, he'd pick out his clips to, um, to do for, or 
like I'd clip his clips while I sat next to him, but he would literally go through the whole match and, and just talk through it. And just literally sitting and talking with you was a really beneficial I like, think so, exercise. You, I guess it's really, really important to understand what they're trying to look at. So we really need to be, we really need to understand what you as coaches want, how you see the game, what what you want from the game and how, and what we can then do for you. So we need to understand almost your coaching philosophy as well as you do. And the yeah. more we understand your coaching philosophy, the the easier our job is and yeah. the more benefit you'll get off us. Yeah, because yeah. We can almost just give you exactly what you need without you even asking for it. Yeah. Just um, back to the actual rot. Sorry, I'm loving it. There's loads of great stuff. Do <laughs> yeah. bring it back slightly. Just um, just so that people out there that might not understand what an analysis might do on a day to day, like what might let's say like a game week, so Monday through to Saturday playing, or Sunday or Saturday after the game through to the next Saturday. No, I don't even know where to start. So the week doesn't really stop, does it? But what literally. might that week look like, and then how? Yeah, how do you like? It's a little bit nicer now because I don't get to work weekends. But if um, if you go back to kind of a premiership Wednesday match Saturday, Saturday evening, you'll kind of finish all the coding off, ready for Sunday morning. Um, You'll then pull together sort of all of the the review sheets. So you tend to in the off season start just pulling together everything you'll need throughout the season, so that actually this process is really automated and and quick. So you'll finish off the Saturday match, say about at lunchtime Sunday. Sorry, sorry, those review sheets, does that come like through talking with the coaches as well? So you know what they want on that, or is that driven by you? Or yeah. It's coach driven. So you'll sit down pre-season and be like, like, what what do you want? How do you want it to go? What do you want? Like, what do they want as well? Because you wouldn't give all the players the same amount of information. So what goes to the Mm. players, what goes to the coaches, you'll tend to have like a few different folders. You just you just don't want the players to have that much information, although some of them will want it. You're trying to hit a kind of middle ground I guess in the the preliminary feedback around what's the the most and least people will want and then you'll go down a kind of more individual feedback route as well so you can hit the people that want everything the people that that just don't don't want anything yeah um so Sunday lunchtime you've normally boxed off like Saturday match then you start on the opposition then you'll have done all your opposition previews kind of the Thursday um, and then you'll just add in their last match then on Sunday. Um, normally have then a coach's call on the Sunday evening to go through and box off anything from that match. In Monday morning, coaches meeting, fly straight into to reviews. Like Monday mornings just used to be, yeah, just pretty full on. Um, so Monday morning reviews, um, you tend to do kind of walkthroughs and then do previews on Monday morning. Tuesday would kind of be a double training day session. So end up filming, coding, all of that. Um, again, more feedback sessions um, for or previous sessions. Wednesday then, day off slash starting to pull everything together for the opposition for the weekend after. Uh, and then Not the weekend really after that. Really yeah, day. but yeah. you sat at home on your sofa watching daytime TV, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then Not. Thursday... Thursday again is kind of your big kind of pre pre game meeting, so they tend to be the ones that you'd prep quite a lot of stuff for. Um, so I think we'll come on to it later on around um, like how analysis change has changed. And I think a lot of it is around that learning and meetings um, space. 
So I think you all have seen the kind of Saracens big show meetings. Like, how do you really get players to resonate with with what they're seeing and retain information uh, for the weekend? Yeah. So that meeting tends to take a little bit of planning to pull together. Um, again, training and then the train on Thursday would tend to be quite a big um, session. So quite full on sessions of which you'd code quite a few KPIs live and feed those in um, to the game. And then Friday is a little bit more chilled. You'll tend to do, you tend to sit down, have a coaches meeting about the, the game the week after. Um, yeah. And then it starts all over again. Wow. Like constantly juggling the game you're about to go into and the game the week ahead, basically. Yeah. yeah. With the coaches, obviously not the players, but yeah, and it's really hard then when you get to the game you're playing because you'll have done so much prep for the game the week after. It's almost like, right, okay, I just need to like read back through everything. What 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 is our game plan and what are we supposed to be doing? Because we've already done the game plan for the almost yeah. the week ahead. So yeah, that one's always a little bit tough but yeah it's constantly trying to juggle quite a few things around it and, and, and just, staying ahead of the game isn't it you yeah. know so prepping in advance go off blooming heck I'm, I'm exhausted listening to you there <laughs> <laughs> and then um, just thinking about that week and you know you just mentioned it um so where like where have you obviously you started in 2007 like where have you seen it come like where's the role kind of got started and where would you see it now I think we when we started it's very much filming stat sheets um and just kind of handing that back over and that's what what we do we just kind of do a bit of data and uh, and give you feedback on stats and I think it's really kind of morphed into that kind of coach analyst relationship like how we interpret data and I think that's really key like the way in which um because we get loads and loads of data and there's no point in just flying everything back to it it's really about making sure that we're giving the really pertinent data back to coaches um and uh, and that that information is important to them like it's like i don't i wouldn't give you like all of the backs information i'd give you a bit of it but i wouldn't get you're not interested in it and it's not relevant to your job or getting better and then i'm just going to data overload you so really about communicating what that information really says as well so I think you'll see now there's a lot of stuff on on Twitter which is is great people are or uh, people are getting loads of data sources and and coming up with information like great like fair play to them but a lot of them just I don't really understand what they mean and we've got to be really clear that the stuff that we give you is really clear about what what it is so that it's easy to understand if you if you send it to like your mum whereas I'll I'll get my mates who don't actually know anything about rugby just to make sure that presentations make sense yeah um, yeah. and that anyone can understand them and I think that's been a big thing with all of the the technology around drawing on videos so that you know you could show the players a clip and everyone in the room will probably be looking at something different that's relevant to their position like in order to to make sure that players are really tuned into what you're trying to say like all of those kind of telestration tools are, are really really key and I think that's been a massive improvement over the last 10 or so years I think some of the other stuff that we've turned into as well is we tend to to lie a bit in between all of the groups so we'll work with the coaches we'll work with the SNCs and medics as well around a lot of the return to play um sort of where the um SNCs especially around what the game looks like what the ball and play is like how what the how those game trends are changing over the season as well so we kind of sit in the middle of those of all of those groups and I think 
the the biggest shift is probably around um, a lot of analysts are taking over that space in in terms of what do meetings look like what are the best ways in which for players to learn which is really I mean it's kind of just been just not been put on us but it's kind of just evolved our roles have evolved into that way um, and I think that's the kind of key bit at the moment and moving forward yeah just um I want to go on to that like <laughs> running previews reviews feedback all that but just before you do go back to that point around medical and S&C um and I know Bird you'll have a similar thought on this like analysis picking up uh obviously head injuries helps a lot with stuff um and also if a player takes an injury what that injury like how it happened what it looked like in the game or in training or whatever really helps the medic have a better understanding of what they're dealing with like that's really like for us obviously having everything recorded and I know it would be the same with you bird that's made a massive difference um I also think the S&C element's massive you know what does the game physically look like because they could be going and doing what they think, but actually the game doesn't ask that of the player. You know, it's really important for us to understand that. And I think, especially for us with the women's game, the women's game looks different to the men's game. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's massively important for us to have that. What do we need our athletes to look like? Um, and I think that's really invaluable. I think it's an area that I think we still, like in our, the, the prem, we need to get much better at is can we, can we be even smarter with, um like making our athletes better and more in tune for what the game needs um yeah I don't know if Bear, you yeah no sorry I'm just I'm just trying to process everything there's been so much information there it's it's, you know it's it's certainly is fascinating I think you're right Elge we think of analysts sometimes as just looking at the game but but your role um Berkey has just like grown massively over the years you know really and like Elge said you know we always go did you capture that did you see that or we think somebody might have had a head head injury can we go back to that you know it can be live or it can be you know we have to refer back to it it's 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 like critical and even now with Covid you know our Covid practices where you get suspected cases you know that's happened as well we've had to look at a person that maybe have tested positive and and what were their interactions in the game or in training you know so it's it's massive and just you know just on on just on that with like you know some of our club coaches that are not at the kind of elite end of the game you know what what would you suggest to kind of club coaches who want to you know use equipment what equipment might you suggest they they use that would be useful to them like platforms because I know when I was a teacher in school we kind of used um you know, you could download loads of software apps looking at your performance. Everyone's got a phone. You know, we get we get the kids to record their their kind of performance and compare it with other athletes. Is there anything you'd kind of little nuggets you'd think, actually, if I was going to get something and I'm a club coach, this is what I get and this is how I would get someone to use it. What 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 could you recommend? Like you say, I think the technology now, we've got it all, it's on phones, it's on laptops. Like the the high speed camera on on your iPhone is incredible it's what when we first started we almost had like wind up high speed cameras to do those closed skills and film those players can can really see that like the ones that you've got in your iphone now is is way better than that and i think it's really using like, i need to find that on my iphone Bertie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just in oh, camera where is it, it? it's camera high camera out oh yeah Time slow mo okay, high right. speed here we go yeah there you I go. I used my video, but I didn't realise there's other settings. I'm showing that I'm really poor <laughs> with my technology. Sorry, that's great. Else, I'm not being funny, Alge. Even I knew that. No, I'm much older the, than you. So I use my video a lot with my players, but 
I'm going to use the others now. Thanks for that, Becky. Sorry. Yeah. Little nuggets, say, <laughs> see, little nuggets. <laughs> I think they iPhones, um, Macs, PCs, like, just getting a decent camera and filming training sessions and filming meetings as well, I think it's a really key one. See how you deliver, oh, which is, yeah. is horrible to watch yeah. back. But actually, just seeing what you say, are you being really clear with what you're trying to do? Um, how long are you talking for? I think bits like that as a coach are, are really, really key. So, like, what are you doing? Are you being directional? Are you being, um, is it just my way? Do you want player engagement? And I think filming meetings, filming training, just getting a decent camera and then going through it with iMovie, Movie Maker, like, on your phone. You can do all of it on your phone. And then, like, WhatsApp has probably become... I mean, it's the ultimate free tool, but it's probably become one of our best ways of of player communication. I think that's it's a really key point at the moment, especially with the the age group of players that I predominantly work with are, are young, and we've seen a dramatic shift over the years in in how people communicate. And you look now around players just don't talk to each other. They they will sit in a room and they'll text each other or they'll be yeah, playing a game so against true, each other. So true. But they won't actually talk to each other. And I think yeah. when we talk about positions, like we talk about communications being one of the most important factors of a player. Yeah. Yet that communication is is just dark it's just a dying art. You look at like Instagram, it's not even words anymore. It's just pictures. Um, yeah. It, oh. It's gone from kind of Facebook, which is a bit of both, to Instagram, which was in under nine. Uh, sorry, to Twitter, which was under say 120 characters, to now Instagram, which is no words, it's just photos. And then you wonder kind of where the, the next bit is. So I think that that kind of communication piece is huge as well. So using WhatsApp for that is is a really good way of kind of just you film something, you can clip it up with free tools that you've got, and just disseminating it on that, and just getting players to talk about what what they're seeing, how they're trying to do it. Well, yeah, it's probably the the key cheat because all of that's free by buying a camera. And to be honest, most people could even do it with an iPad, just put on something. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really great advice there for anybody that's listening. And then um, just moving on to another question now, um, you know, have you have you kind of taken anything from any other sports, what good practices that you've, you've seen that kind of we could use in, in utilising rugby to develop players? Uh, you know in your CPD that you've done um, and coaches and referees yeah. and everybody else that you work with <laughs> um, I think there's loads I think the if you ever go into the Olympic sports it's, it's pretty cool to see the way in which they plan like their four-year cycles it's it's pretty awesome in terms of the amount of just planning that they put into that and and every kind of detail around it um I think a lot of the stuff is probably just the area that we work in is around um, how players learn. So what education um, is doing is really important for our our area. So how how effectively to to kids learn essentially, and what can we take from that over? So there's been a um, there's been a few. There's a, a a professor at Eton College who does a lot of there there. I'll try and find the name for you to put out, but um, he does a lot of resources that are all online for people to to go and download around they do a, an advanced learning program i think um so kind of all of those bits i think are really key for our jobs going forward because essentially we i think us and, and coaches are trying to get players to learn and understand what what you're trying to do what coaches are trying to do and get that point across i think they're i think they're probably the really key areas for the next few years around cpd and and just trying to bring those practices into rugby as well. Mm. Is there any, um, sorry, just on that question around other sports, is there any team sports 
that you think, do you know what, they're nailing it. We should be watching what they do more. Um, I think it goes back to that coaching one. I think everyone's got, I don't think any CPD is a bad opportunity to go into any sport and, and see what they're doing. Um, so I read, I can't remember which book it was, um, but just around if we don't do, um, if we don't start going into different environments and you don't collaborate and you don't share, you just stay still and you actually go backwards yeah. because yeah. Um, I can't remember which book it was, but it was the story around the original Silicon Valley was in Boston. But um, what they did was they built all of these units and basically put a massive wall around them and didn't collaborate on any information. Um, and they, they all died. They didn't all die, but they pretty much all went bankrupt. They then, it then became established in Silicon Valley and they do loads of collaborative events between companies in order to get communication around what everyone's doing um, to let people grow. And I think that's the really, it, it kind of really resonated with me in terms of a sport way that, I don't think we always share and I don't think we're always hugely collaborative because everyone's kind of, oh, no, we can't talk about that. That's that's ours and, and we're doing that. Whereas actually, I think if people talk more, I think everyone would would develop more. And I think yeah. those CPD, I think going into to any sport, you'll pick up little bits that you'll be able to transfer back over. Yeah, I, I think that's crucial with different sports. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot more collaboration now and people people are getting the understanding that it's really good to collaborate. I've been on a few CPD talks uh, during lockdown when I was on furlough and it was just fascinating to listen to baseball, you know, what, what they were doing in their sports. We were working with a sports psychologist and cricket and netball and all these different uh, coaches that came on with their ideas and not just coaches, psychologists, analysts. And it was just fascinating to listen and think, oh, I could take that bit and try and utilize that. And in fact, you, you have so many CPD a bit, bits you can't actually action everything but you know it is fascinating to listen to other sports and we can learn a lot and I think you're so right I mean I was reading an article the other day with Jose Jose Mourinho and um, about tactical periodization and what football are doing with that and how rugby hasn't bought that you know isn't utilizing yeah. it as much but it was fascinating football are doing it what can we learn yeah. from them and you know the article was shared and it was it was something that, that was shared with me and I was thinking actually you know this is great this is what what it's about in those sports and we need to talk you you're completely right and I, and I think that's massive I'll I think it's really helped that I think Zoom's actually sorry not Zoom I think like lockdown has really helped that collaborative element yeah. people have just yeah. talked and been a lot more open and and it's easier then to get in touch with other people because everyone seems to have a lot more of time on their hands at the moment I think it's been brilliant in too yeah. well in that respect not so much yeah. in, in anything else <laughs> that's what um I think it was it Katie Sadley bird who we had on and mentioned about the circus um yeah. and going and getting into their environment because obviously they're all quite a lot of their performance are at performers are at ex-athletes um but they're all like you know high performing so she was just saying about that kind of environment and that's like just another like it's not even well it is a it is a sport in a way isn't it but it's not even it's not a sport as we see it you know like rugby or football so that would be a good environment I'm sure they must they must do some kind of analysis or performance analysis and what they do because it is a performance every day they get out there so yeah the, the new environments is a cool thing definitely 
Yeah, and what you can learn from cultures as well. And, you know, and just like you said, mm-hmm. I mean, for me as a teacher with over 30 years experience, I know one of the things we all dreaded was like watching yourself back. Yeah. <laughs> that was a sweet, our viewers can't, uh, you know, our listeners can't see us, but we're, we're actually all, all live. And it's really funny yeah. when you watch yourself back and, you know, I know me with my super hair flick now looking like a an old preacher or something, but that's something I do. And you kind of say, okay, and you think, oh my God, you know, yeah. uh, am I giving too much information to players? Am I not giving enough? Am I repeating myself? am I doing too much and that is just Berkey that's that's really great advice there you know I, I'd, I'd advise all coaches to kind of get out there and watch yourself back it, it's not nice but um you know it's not a pleasant experience but yeah. it, it's really good because you see what your players see so mm. I think that's really important to do that yeah really yeah and, piece uh, I'm never gonna... go on Becky I'm just gonna say I'm never gonna say that analysts need to do that <laughs> <laughs> they need to watch themselves fine <laughs> But it's a really simple thing if you're a club coach just to record. You don't even have to share it with your players if you don't feel confident with that yet. You could just do it to see what you're doing. Um, yeah. like, <laughs> I hate watching training back because I all I do is I'm zoning in on myself and being like, oh my God, what am I doing? Because I'm quite expressive when I get into it and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> so yeah, but, I hate but it's, hands. Just like sit on your hands. Yeah. But it's hands. all... It's also good as well, isn't it, to watch your kind of positioning as well. So, like, yeah. you know, when, when how you're standing, how you're positioning, have you missed some players out behind you? And, you know, yeah. think little things like that. And going through it with someone you trust as well is a, is a really good way of kind of looking at yourself and, um, you know, getting getting the best best way of communicating that you can. Definitely. Really good points there. Can I um, go back slightly onto um, the the week and stuff, just to get a bit of detail around like what a uh, feedback might look like? So maybe like a an example of maybe like a units meeting or like a smaller kind of meeting. Then like you say that big meeting they have like on a Thursday and maybe a coaching meeting. Like how how might they look? What what kind of stuff would go on? I think it, it would look different most weeks. I think a lot of the stuff around is. Do you want it to be coach led? Do you want it to be player led? Do you want it to be um, like, do you need to just get information across in a really short space of time? Or do you want players to get to, to that point for themselves? And I think it all depends on how much time you've got in the week and, and how much information you need to get across. And, and there's loads and loads of information to get across. I think it, it goes back to what's, especially the feedback stuff, like what's in your game plan and do you just review what's in your game plan? So say you might have like five or six points going into that match like how do you review based off that and just yeah. do you stick to that do you stick to um to everything because then I think if you're going week to week there's no way you can cover all of those bases um so like reviewing off a game plan and just making sure you keep to that is a really good way of doing it or, or feeding back in terms of that um and it, again it goes back to your coaching philosophy again around do like do you want to be coach-led and very that this is how we're doing it or is it more player-led where you want them to to come to those conclusions and actually drive what what the game plan is so or is it a mixture of it and it's it's I guess it's kind of your coaching call around around how that looks have you have you been in many environments where that's quite player-led like they come off the back of the game plan let's say maybe a little bit of direction from the coach say find some stuff on this like if they come with the the clips like have you been anywhere like that yeah so uh one of my years at 20s I mean our basically attack was run by George Ford and Owen Farrell but 
they they two are pretty yeah. decent players. <laughs> so yeah, they, like we always had an attack coach, but he was like, well, you know, they they want to do it. It'll be really good for their development. I think the age grade stuff we tend to be quite player led. We want yeah. players to to come to us with this is what we'd like to do um, in order to help their kind of game understanding, their decision making all of those elements that that we think are really important attributes as they go at the game. So they would tend to be a lot more player-led, I think, but you have to be a bit cleverer around it. So they, coaches mm, who does it? know what, what they want to happen and they just have to try and get that over to the players in a, in a non-this-is-what-we're-doing way. And I think that's a real skill around developmental coaches um, yeah. and how they do that um, and how they get players to feel comfortable enough who are well, young players and not hugely a lot of them wouldn't be hugely confident around talking um get them to to bring that to life and and actually come up with those themselves in a, in a safe environment I guess mm. and um is there any environments you don't have to obviously say but is there any environments you've been in where it's been totally like you can see the, the coaches are dri- driving something but the players are just not getting it like just because of how they've presented it have you seen that or yeah and I think that comes down to there are times where you have to get information across like and that's not a right or wrong thing it's you, you've got a really short turnaround and, and you have to you have to do that and you have to be quite directive and I think during certain times of the season that that will happen I think yeah. it, it's you can't be I think you, you could but it's, it's pretty hard to be completely player-led all the time while still trying to to focus on what's happening this weekend it's it's a real it's a real balance of trying to make sure that that that's all um that's all correct and I think as analysts that's kind of in our our role as well to make sure that that balance is is happening yeah. so what's happening in meetings and how are they being how are they being delivered so a bit of both isn't necessarily a bad thing if it's at the right time for the right reasons exactly and I, I do think there are times when as coaches you want to be directive and I don't think that should be seen as a a negative thing it's not it's just a, it's like it's like on the pitch isn't it it's like in training you don't it's not all games and it's not all drills it's just that that mixture and yeah. and yeah so I'm pretty sure if you did a really directive meeting every meeting for for a season like you wouldn't have many players left yeah and <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. in the say yeah I think it's just that balance isn't it around trying to get information across trying to get players to lead and own it and take some responsibility for it whilst ensuring that it, it's what you guys want wow. yeah Woof. so much to talk about in there and um just get yourself a drink there katie flipping out you've been doing a great <laughs> job um and uh, anyway just just going back to the actual game itself you know because obviously the footage you must watch it must be phenomenal on you know rugby matches from all over the world and you know it just i can't even imagine the amount of footage you watch but um Talking of trends, I was listening to a podcast driving into work um, this morning and they were talking about um, the coach who was being interviewed was talking about trends in a game and, you know, about like staying on the paddleboard and, you know, in front of the the wave to catch it, but being ahead of it. Um, it was actually Eddie Jones I was listening to and it was just, it was fascinating. And, and the game is changing. We were talking about kicking and everything. But just for me, it was like, you know, what you personally, what, what kind of current trends do you see developing in the game at the moment? And, and where do you see the game going? Because like, obviously, you know, the kicking game's been a big focus this season, you know, the contact area, the changing law variations. But where, what, what kind of trends do you see developing in the game? 
and where, where it's going? I know it's a difficult question and that's just your opinion, but I'd just be interested to know. God, I hate giving opinions as an analyst. Um, <laughs> but, you can base think, it on fact. Base it on fact then, go on. I think it's like rugby seems to be quite cyc- cyclic, the word. Cyclical. Um, cyclical, yeah. that's the word. Thank you. Um, yeah. I think, you know, there's been quite a defence focus over the last five, six years, or a bit longer than that. We've had all kind of rugby league coaches in. It, I think it's coming a bit more back to an attack focus now, which... I think I think they'll swap around again at some point, but with the kind of law variations that have come in as well, like ball and play's gone up, ruck speed's got quicker. It, it looks like it's kind of swinging back to that attack focus. I think that'll take over in the next few years as well, hopefully. So more um, more kind of running rugby, which is what everyone wants so, to like see. Quick, yeah, quicker game. Those law variations have been in to try and introduce a quicker game, um, and I think they're the kind of the law variations and kind of what those consequences are, I think are going to be really key in the next few years as well. Um, and how they actually impact on the game and what are the kind of unforeseen circumstances around those. Um, so obviously you put in a law variation and there's a lot of other stuff that then changes as a, yeah. as a result of that. So I think kind of following those and, and seeing what happens to the game as a whole is really, um, well, really exciting for me. I mean, that makes me sound like an absolute loser, but... <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't there's a place for everyone in rugby look <laughs> yeah do you think that that'll mean that players not only because like size and physicality is a massive that you know the staffers are the, the dream of it aren't they you know but like they have them churning out year on year but do you think like because of the speed and that rook speed like you said ball in play time actually that's that shape of a player might change a bit now because of that um yeah, potentially but then you kind of think like scrum and line out is still so so important, important and integral to the game and they're kind of the ones where those positions sizes and shapes tend tend to be i think could potentially be a change in that back row position um yeah. depending on whether like stealing is still a part of the game or whether that just goes to to more people in the defensive line as the attack gets um quicker it's yeah i think it's an interesting thing to monitor over the next few years it's been an interesting one for us because obviously with our slight variations to play during COVID, we've seen obviously the less scrums, free kicks, slightly faster. Um, like it has, and I know there's a debate around, you know, for our international team, you know, because of the lack of scrums, it's, it is a debate about it. But actually it has meant you see some pretty interesting attacks. You know, we've made a few decisions around players about pushing them towards the front row because actually there's less scrums right now, but maybe long-term when we go back to, you know, laws as they are in, in the men's get in the men's prem, actually we've given them a season of not eight, nine, 10, 12 scrums, maybe four or five scrums a game and just slowly built them up to become a front row player. It's been quite interesting for us, isn't it? But to oh, massively watch so. and see how people have adapted to it. It's um, yeah, yeah. It's quick. <laughs> It's very, very quick. And some of our props, you know, front row players, you know, it's it's been a real challenge for them. But at the same time, you know, it's also been um, they've had to learn, you know, new skills to adapt to the to the game and also to cope with those law variations and, and made them into better ball handlers, really, as well. Quite a lot of them because they've had to do more around the park. So. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it's been an interesting one. And um yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because the game, like you said, it is very cyclical. It does go around and, you know, people always want exciting attacking rugby. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah looking forward to the next stages of it. 
because it will evolve and that's what happens and you need to stay ahead so that's why you analysts do an amazing job predicting those trends so I, before we go there i know aljay were desperate to do the old you know our, our quick little quick fire but um oh, tell God. me about you know i know we talked a lot about rugby the game itself rugby union but just just quickly about the referees and what kind of work you do with them um and and, and how you you're used in that in that field as well just just quickly yeah so some of it a lot of it is around um like what are the trends what's going on so what we talked about just then like what but what are the trends in terms of penalties what is that looking for what does that look like for each team um what does it look like in terms of giving them an idea of what um like what what their performance looked like like what was their breakdown over kind of 18 minutes and how that looked um they get assessed independently um by a company and and kind of pulling all that information together as well to see if there are any common things that that are being omitted by them as a, as a referee group as a whole. Um, I think a lot of it then it is kind of like the team stuff. So it's around building them pre-briefs um, for teams that are coming up. So I've just been doing a lot of the Six Nations ones today. Um, so what do those teams look like? How have they changed since the Autumn Nations Cup? Who's come in? Who's come out? Scrums, lineouts, um, exits, kind of all of that information that essentially you build for a, for a team going week to week. Um, and then kind of the law variation stuff is important as well. So looking at what the effect that that, that is having on the game to, to feedback to them as well. Because obviously I think in the, the COVID restart, it was, yeah, it was penalty central for a, for a little while there. Mm, mm. Which yeah. having looked at the New Zealand when they brought them yeah. in, yeah. in there, like, we knew it was going to happen. So yeah, just trying to keep, like, just it's just feedback again to kind of close off that feedback loop for them. That's what I was going to say. Do you look at other leagues around the world and see what their refs, how they're interpreting things and that as well? Does that come into it? Yeah. So during the kind of the, the run up to the, the Prem start, um, there was basically just a lot of watching of the Super Rugby, um, New Zealand and Super Rugby Australia around how they were managing the law variations. And then those guys are, are constantly on calls with... Um, like a, a world rugby group which has got all of the the southern hemisphere northern hemisphere refs in as well uh plus all the the world rugby guys who make all of the decisions yeah um, wow I, what a I very got, job you've got flipping out i've got one more question i have got one more question sorry oh no lj <laughs> it's an easy one it's just it's more um to say because you like yourself you kind of not fell into it but slowly wound your way into this role what what might your advice be to someone who's listening to this now who's thinking actually might be something I fancy doing like what could they do to help themselves get into like a um, sports performance analysis it doesn't have to be rugby but yeah I think it's definitely just getting like as much experience as you can and and actually working out what you like and what you don't like I think there's loads of stuff in our jobs around like communication and and building relationships it's really key to our job so like what bits and pieces can you do around that to make sure that that when you get a full-time job you're really set up to go in that um but yeah it's definitely the experience and and just trying to get your foot in the door I think that's the hardest part um I think the other thing as well is like once you do get a job like don't be afraid to fail at stuff I know that sounds really stupid but you're probably going to mess up on, on something and, and actually being okay with that. And 
yeah, and just not be not sounds a bit deep, not beating yourself up about that, but actually knowing that you aren't gonna go in and absolutely smash it, and you're gonna have to work pretty hard in those first few years to. There's gonna be a lot of late nights before yeah. you actually start progressing. Yeah. Um, I think that's the the hardest bit of the job. The hardest bit of this job is the first kind of few years when you're you're trying to do everything to to get a foot in the door and get in. It's definitely hard work to to get your get your job. Once you're in it relatively easy to kind of stay in yeah Mm. experience lots of experience go lots of experience (laughs) and lots of experience with different coaches as well i I think that's the really key bit you just learn so much off them yeah yeah i was um i was just saying because i know you went to cardiff met i work at harper university i'll also work there and it's um you know it's great because we got a couple of um the young girls well I call them young girls they're young to me but um students that a couple of them are doing analysis and they just jumped in on our Gloucester Heartbreak analysis you know helping out with training and, and like you said that kind of experience is invaluable and um just being able to learn to record how to code it, it just all amounts and also working with different sports around the academy because you learn yeah, yeah. like you said so you know really great stuff Katie it's been honestly Berkey it's been brilliant to chat to you we could we could go on me and Eldra once we get started here now (laughs) so much to so much to find out about but um it's been it's been brilliant Eldra did you have any more questions Eldra sorry yeah no we won't won't. oh my god it's been brilliant Katie but we're we're gonna finish with a little quick fire round this is this is quite fun now so you can just chill for a bit it's just you just shout out just shout this out. will be the thing I'll get most flustered about, though. I think. <laughs> you won't. <laughs> you and Bear, just shout out your favourites, okay? It's um, not wrong. It's not wrong. Neither, no, nothing's wrong other than the right answer, obviously. Um, <laughs> for, forwards or backs? Forwards. Backs. Berkey. <laughs> oh, no, Plymouth. It's more fun to watch. You ex- you upset me. I thought you would absolutely love watching set piece. More <laughs> fun to watch. <laughs> I'm very much. I basically just have an entire running fifteen. Just run everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, sun or snow? Snow. Sun. Oh, nice. Only because um, I'm basically translucent at the moment. I'm that pale. <laughs> <laughs> um, curry, curry or pizza? Curry. Pizza. <laughs> okay. um, full fat or Diet Coke? Full fat. Full fat. <laughs> yes, we agreed on one, Bergie. <laughs> this is only because, though, Aldo, did I ever tell you how much Diet Coke? I, yes. I basically walk into the office yeah. at about 6am and go straight to nail like a Diet Coke. Yeah. Uh, I so I was it. properly addicted, so I've had to dig myself out of that, and I now don't drink Diet Coke anymore. That's why I thought you'd say Diet Coke, because I knew you, all you ever do was drink Diet Coke. <laughs> I, I don't um, actually drink Diet Coke or full fat Coke, but if I was going to drink one, it'd have to be full fat. <sighs> Diet. Well, no I know, way. I know you definitely drink this beer, prosecco or beer. Oh, <laughs> prosecco, prosecco. Oh yes, Berkey, I knew you'd say that. Like I don't that. like. I actually don't like beer or lager. No, no. I don't really. I prefer prosecco. Just like a there lot of wine. Dry January <laughs> killed me. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Nice. Oh, well, well, thank you. Thanks again, Berkey. It's yeah. been fantastic Thanks, to talk to you. Um, no thank you for having me. It's been, yeah, it's been nice to chat about geeking out. <laughs> <laughs>
And thanks again, Kate Burke. That was just brilliant. Um, fantastic insight into the life of an analyst. Myself and LJ really thoroughly enjoyed that, as always. To all our guests, we love chatting to you all and finding out just a bit more about the different roles this wonderful game can offer us all. So if you want to hear more, just visit rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the podcast button to visit the women's section. Thanks all again for listening and have a, a wonderful um, week and hopefully we'll be back in touch soon. Stay safe, keep well and thanks again. Thank you.